right. <clears throat> go to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Or go to your notes, whichever one works for you. Um, you should have, hey, if you got some notes, wave your notes at me so I can see you got some notes. All right, good. Make sure everybody gets some notes. We are a note-taking church. First off, um, if you're a guest here, welcome to our Savior's Church. My name is Pastor Josh, and uh, my wife, Lindsay, Miss Tracy, Pastor Bubba, uh, we pastor this church here, and it's our joy and privilege to be your pastors and also to just lead this incredible church. If you're here as a guest of somebody or maybe just walked in the doors, um, you just walked into one of the friendliest, most generous churches ever. Send y'all up. Okay. So you, welcome home. We tell that all the time. Welcome home. Um, we hope you feel right at home. You are our VIP, um, and we, we love you greatly, and we hope that you feel right at home and uh, get a chance to really hear from the Lord today. And so we are in a series called Awaken the Adventure. We're in part two today. Last week, we are looking at the story of Nehemiah, that God's called all of us to be on an adventure. And if, if you're following Jesus in any way, if you've given your heart and your life to him, He's called you to be on this adventure. Last week, we talked about this uh, story of Nehemiah, who's probably one of the greatest leaders in all of the Bible, really. Had an, was, was a cupbearer, um, had no skill in rebuilding walls, but he found out that his city, the walls have been broken down for 140 plus years. God gave him what I call a divine burden. This, this idea of somebody's got to do something. He stepped up and said, you know what? If my people, their city's broken down, I need to do something. Ask the king if he could go. Got the resources, everything that he could. We talked about this idea that when we're called to do something, when God awakens an adventure inside of us, there's a lot of fear that can come inside of us. And we don't realize that we just need to start small. We need to start small. We talked about this idea that in order for us to step towards the destiny that God has for us, we're going to have to step away from our security. Any of y'all in here have kids, or maybe even you yourself, growing up, where you had either, either a security blanket or a security pet animal? Anybody in here have your kids that have a, a favorite blankie? Or my, my middle son, Judah, has a favorite blankie. It's a blue blank, blank, blankie, blue banky, blank, <laughs> blankie, blue, anyways, okay, it's blue, and it's a blanket. Um, he's had this from, from... How old? From one. He's nine. He's nine now. Um, and he still sleeps with it in his bed. Um, it is his thing. He just loves it. He carries it around. He used to carry it around with him everywhere. We have now sequestered it to the bed only. It has to stay in the bed. And the reason it is is because it's literally just blue shreds now. That's all, literally, that's all it is. It's just this blue shredded thing. Um, he's still a blanket. We're looking for some. If y'all know of a blue blanket that looks like this, I'll post a picture. See if you can get a new one. Um, but it's kind of his security. He used to love it all the time. And I think as Christians, we also can have security. Things that we kind of hold on to that brings us great security. It may be a spouse. It may be money. It may be relationships. It may be a job. Um, and when we lose those things, we kind of lose security. But sometimes God's calling us out of the comfort zone into our calling and our comfort zone and our calling really don't go hand in hand. God calls you to step out and do something. You look all throughout scripture. Jesus was calling people to step out of things that they normally did to do great things for him. I mean, all of the disciples, most of those guys, most of them were fishermen. He said, listen, I want you to leave your boats, leave your family, and I want you to come follow me. How many of you know that's leaving some security? That's leaving, and they, they followed him. Jesus is walking on the water, 
And, and, and Peter's in a boat, and he says, if that's you, tell me to come. He says, come on. How many know walking on the water, that's leaving a little security? Like, I didn't get a DVD instructional on how to walk on water here. And yet, God is calling them to step out of their comfort zone, whether it's planting churches, sharing Jesus with people, casting out demons. But it was just an adventure that God had called them on. And all of us have an adventure. All of us have a calling that God wants us to be on. So Nehemiah is stepping out. He's going to go rebuild a wall. Has he ever even built a wall? I don't know. Has he ever even worked with bricks? I don't know. All he knows is that he's got to do something. So he, he travels to Jerusalem, and he's now beginning this, re, this, this project of rebuilding the walls together. God's called you and I to rebuild walls as well. We'll get into that in just a minute. So there's two things that I feel like as Christians, God's called all of us in here to do, and we're going to find that out in Nehemiah 3 and Nehemiah 4. But why don't you go ahead, if you're taking notes, write this first one down, and that is God's called all of us to build together. God's called all of us to build together. God is a builder, and he's calling you and I to build together. God hasn't put us on this earth to complain about the things that are broken. God's called us to rebuild the things that are broken. Can I get an amen on that one? How many look at our city and there's things that are broken? You look at your family, there's things that are broken. Maybe you look at your own marriage and there's things that are broken. And God has not called you to complain about it or to criticize it. He's called you to rebuild it. And so as we talk about this idea of Nehemiah rebuilding these walls, I want you to think about it personally in your own life. What are the things in your own life that God's calling, causing, calling you to rebuild? He wants you and I to be builders. And so Nehemiah chapter 3 Starting in verse 1 is where it begins. And so there, here comes the project. The project is now starting, and this is what it says. Nehemiah 3, verse 1. It says, then Eliashib, Eliashib, hey, which by the way, let me just stop there. Anytime you don't know the name in the Bible, just say it real quick and like you do. Okay, and that's how this works, all right? So if you don't know it, you're going to see me do it about 20 times in this sermon. Okay, so... Um, Elishab, the high priest, and the other priests started rebuild at the sheep gate. Let me just start, stop right here and just say this. The very first beginning project started with the pastors. Notice that before anything else started, that the spiritual leaders had to step up and start working first. The pastors started the project, which I just want you to know this. There will be nothing ever asked of you from myself, Pastor Bubba, or any of our pastors that we don't do first. We're going to be the ones that start in anything that we ask you to do. If we ask you to serve, we serve. If we ask you to give, we give. Come on, how many of you, know, how many of you are glad to know that you have pastors that are not asking you to do something that they're not doing themselves? We ask you to love your wives, we're going to love our wives. We're asking you to, whatever we're asking you to do, we're going to do ourselves. And the pastors did that in this situation as well. Look at verse 2, it says this. It says, the fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. Y'all like how I did that? It's probably way off too, but anyways, sounded good. Next were the people from Tekoa. Though their leaders, now watch this, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors, how would you like to be in the Bible known as the one who wouldn't build? I want you to, listen to me, heaven is taking note of who is building and who's not building. It knows who's building and who's not building. And you look in this verse and it says that they, these leaders refuse to do the work of the, with the construction supervisors. And now you're going to notice, look at the next verse. And it says this, 
Notice all the different people that are building. It's all different types of people because we've all got to build together. After them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired the section across from their houses. Now, this, is, this is huge here. Watch this. And Azaria, son of Masasua. <laughs> I like that. And grandson of Ananiah repaired the section across from his house. And each one repaired the section immediately across from what? Okay, so here's what I want to get at, all right? Listen, what you're going to find out as you read, if you read the rest of Nehemiah chapter 3, you would see all these crazy names just like this, bunch of them, bunch of them. You'd be like, what in the world's going on? You'd see sons, daughters, grandsons. You would see all this stuff that's happening. Um, you'll see people from different vocations. You'll see pastors doing building. You'll see um, people that are, are uh, goldsmith building. You'll see blacksmith building. You'll see grandmothers building. I'm telling you, if you read this, you'll see all these different types of people building. And that's why, that's the reason why we've got to build together. When God wants to rebuild something, he doesn't do it through me. He doesn't do it through ye. He does it through we. We all are building. And notice where they're building. The assignment that they have been given is in front of what? In front of their house. As if God is saying, you see the wall that's broken down in front of your house? That's got your name on it. That's your part. All of us have a part to play when it comes to rebuilding. And God has a broken down, there's a broken down section of the wall in front of you, and he's calling you and I to rebuild that part. We're called to rebuild the part that is in front of our house. God, listen, God's not calling me to rebuild your marriage. You are. God's not calling me to rebuild your family. You are. That's your section. That's your, y'all with me here? We all have a section. Everybody in here has an assignment. Everybody in here has a mission. God's given every single one of you a call of what God wants you to do, and nobody can build your part of the wall except you. And I believe that there's so much bigger that God wants for you than to sit in a red seat and listen to a sermon. I believe today that God doesn't want to just encourage you. He doesn't want to just inspire you. He wants to activate you because he's got a mission for you. Come on, how many know there's a lot of dying people going out there, to, going to hell? There's a lot of broken people out there that need somebody that'll step up and go, we will rebuild. We will help. And God has given you and I a section of the wall. All of us have been called to help rebuild these areas. You came in today maybe wanting to get encouragement, and God says you came in today and he's going to give you a shovel. You're like, I don't want a shovel. I just want a good word. And he goes, here's the word. Get to work. Here's the shovel. God is calling you and I and all of us to build together. Notice all the different, it was fathers and sons and grandsons. Everybody had a part to play in the building process. Now, I've had people come up to me, and I know Pastor Bubba's had the same thing, and they'll come up and say, Pastor Josh, man, I love my church, I love all that we're doing, but man, I really think we really need to be helping, you know, with elderly more, or man, I really think we need to be helping people that are coming out of drug addiction a lot more, and here's the response. You ready? Here's your job. Go do it. Sounds like a good job. It's all yours. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, hold up. No, 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 wait. I was saying, like, you need to you know, really help with elderly. No, here's the shovel. Get to work. Because, listen to me, if there's something that 
Listen very closely. If there's something that bothers you, something keeps you up at night, it's probably because there's a broken down part of the wall right in front of your house and God's calling you to build it. Y'all with me here? So man, there's, man, we need to really do something for elderly. Yes, you do. Here you go. Man, we really need to do something with kids. Yes, we do. Here you go. God is calling you and I and all of us to rebuild the section that is in front of us. There is a hole in the wall that's staring right in front of you, and it's a good chance it's got your name on it. The question is, are we going to be people that grab the shovel and get to work? So here's the question. How do I build my part? If my part of the section is is broken down, how do I build my part? You ready? Here we go. Three things, and then we're going to get into the next section that I feel like is very important. Number one, give. So God's called us as a church to reach people and, anybody know? Build lives. God's called us to reach people and build lives. It all starts with giving. God's called us to reach this community. It starts with giving. It starts with everybody doing their part in the giving side of it. You are sitting in red seats that were purchased by somebody else. Think about this. You're sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. Somebody else sacrificed so you could sit in those seats. Now watch this. Some of you will sacrifice for this kid's building for other people's kids. Some of you don't even have kids. And you're sacrificing for other people's kids. We have a camera that's recording the services that will be broadcast for thousands of people to see. And somebody else bought that camera. All of that we have here was because of other people sacrificing to make what we have here a reality. Lindsay and I tithe as well. Yet again, I'm not ever asking you to do anything that I don't do myself. And here's the reason why I tithe. I'll tell you the two reasons why I give get back 10%. One, God tells me to. Two, I just really believe that 90% of my finances blessed would be better than 100% of my finances in my hands. Yeah, I know. Don't get a lot of amens on that one, huh? But it's the truth. 90% blessed by God is way better than 100% not blessed by God. And it's a test of obedience because this is how it is. If I gave the keys to a four-wheeler to my son and said, hey, you can go drive around. And then he came back and I said, hey, where's the keys? And he said, what, to my four-wheeler? I said, no, that's my four-wheeler, all right? He would be returning back to me what is mine. It was never his in the first place. I just gave it to him so he could use it. Y'all with me here? Same thing God does with our finances. He calls us to do that. That's the reason why we're building our brand new kids facility. Everything has been paid for cash so far. It was because people sacrifice. And on April 2nd, we'll come back again to, uh, in here and make a declaration to do whatever we can to help rebuild the wall. Come on, how many are ready? Let's build that building. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Because I believe the church is not built on the gifts of a few, but the sacrifices of a many. Some of us go, well, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like I can really do anything. Well, for you, maybe a sacrifice is $5. For other people, a sacrifice may be $50,000. But it's, a, it's an issue of, it's not all about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. Everybody's in. Y'all with me? Everybody's in. That's what I'm just asking. Everybody get in. Number two, serve. Do you want to build? You got to serve. Here's the reason why we, we push and stress serving so much is because when you're not, you're self-focused. It's all about what I want. 
It's all about meeting my needs. It's all about I want to go to church so I can get what I need, what I want. What you fail to realize is what you give is what God gives back to you. So if you don't give anything, you don't have that much poured out. So that means God only pours that much back into you. But when you pour yourself out to everybody else and empty your cup for the mission of God, how many know he can replenish a whole gallon full now because you've given yourself? Y'all with me here? I'm preaching way better than any of you are responding, okay? getting fired up here. This is what God's called us to do. We call this the dream team here at OSC. Every person that serves from the person that parts your car today to the person that is wiping your kid's little booty in the back to the person that is, uh, to the person that helped you find a seat today to our worship team that led, all of these people are a part of the harvest of people that at the end of the service, which it was 15 last service, raised their hand and said, I want to give my life to Jesus. And they all had a part in that. Y'all with me here? I want you to live beyond yourself because here's the truth. The greatest joy in life is when you give of yourself away, not when you keep it to yourself. That's how we build. That's how we build. We make commitments. Man, it's not about me. I want to help. Number three, love. God's called us to love. Build, or give, serve, love. What do I mean by love? God's called us to reach people and build lives. How do you reach people? You just love them. You love people. You love big. Well, do I have to like, do I have to, you know, how, how do I go about doing that? Just serve people, bless people. And, and here's, here's the greatest way. The Bible says to love your enemies. Come on, how many know it's good to love people who love you? It's a whole other thing to love the person that you hate. I'm going to challenge all of OSC this week to go love somebody who hates you. Love a boss or an employee that gets on your nerve. Go give them a $10 gas card and say, I just love you, man. And he's going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, love, I love you. I, I just, I, I, I'm blessing you today. You'd be surprised at how that ministers and impacts people when you love people when they don't deserve it. I, I pray that OSC loves loud. And by the way, I think you do. I think you do love loud. You know how I know you do? It's because every time new people come into OSC and I find out how they come in, it's always, man, I'm here because my neighbor, man, who's talking about what God's doing through, you, through him at y'all's church and what God's been doing. Or, or I find out that people are downloading our app that are working with people that go to our church. And God's just overflowingly using the love of what he's doing inside. How many know God pours love into you so you can pour it out on everybody else? So if, you, if you're only being poured into yourself, you're only going to pour yourself out. But come on, if Jesus is pouring his love into you, you can now pour it out to everybody else. Amen? So God's called us to love big, love loud. So we're called to build together. We've got to do this together. I need everybody in this. We've got to all be in. If our church is going to continue to move forward, everybody's got to help. Everybody's got to grab a shovel. Everybody's got to do their part. Secondly, though, is we're going to battle together. Write that down. Battle together. Nehemiah now is rebuilding. All these people are putting, pitching in, doing their part to rebuild their part of the wall. And watching Nehemiah 4, the next chapter. Watch what this happens. Nehemiah 4 verse 1 says, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. All right, Ready? Write this down. Here we go. Every step, watch this. Every step you take towards God, you will have opposition and adversity. And every step you take away from God, you will have support. 
What do I mean by that? The moment you say, all right, God, I'm going all in. I'm going to surrender my heart to you. I'm going to surrender my life to you, God. Help me to be the man that I need to be, to the woman that I need to be. How many of you know, as soon as you do that, all of the people that are around you that used to so, so-called be your friends are like, oh, what, you too good for us now? Oh, you all churchy now? Oh, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't hang out with us now? Oh, how many of you know every time you're going to take a step towards God, all right, man, I'm going to start a life group, or yeah, I'm going to serve. Now all of a sudden, it seems like all of hell attacks you. Any of y'all, any of y'all face that? As soon, it's, like, it's like somehow I signed up for a battle. You did. I know we don't share that probably in the, uh, in the sermon, I mean in the salvation call. Hey, how many of you want to come and the enemy's going to attack you? Just raise your hand. Give your life to Jesus. Everybody like, hey. But that's what happens. When you came onto this mission, you signed up. Nobody that signs up for the Army, the Navy, or the Marines signs up into that, goes off into battle, and is like, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, why are people shooting? What's going on here? They signed up understanding and knowing that they were getting into a battle. Listen, the Christian life is a battle. And as soon as you start taking steps towards God, get ready. The enemy hates you. Secondly, though, is the moment you start taking steps away from God, notice how all those guys now support you. Man, man, I, man, I really just don't want to go to church anymore, man. I'm just, t- man, Pastor Josh, he's always telling me things I don't really like and stuff, you know. I'm, and and, and here's, here's the other people. Yeah, man, I really don't like them either. Yeah, yeah, come over here. Come on, yeah, yeah, you don't need to do that, man, I told you. Yeah, man, I, man, I'm just tired, man. I've been trying to, like, you know, work on my marriage, and, man, it's just not working, and just not, it's not happening, and here's a buddy at work. Yeah, man, dump her, dude. There's always somebody better. How many know you get some support when you start taking steps away from God? You get opposition when you start taking steps towards God. This is how it works, and this is how it was working in Nehemiah's life, which, by the way, let me just say this. The enemy hates our church. Y'all know that, right? Hates us. Hates us. This past month has been hell. Hell. Our church has grown. Hell. It's hell. It's like a little southern. It's hell. <laughs> Our church is growing like crazy. God's bringing so many people here. People's lives are changing. I mean, it's amazing. We're building, building, building. But yet, on the other side, the enemy is not just going, hmm, this is good. We've had more people in the hospital, like on deathbeds. We, we, we've got funerals. We've got people that are more sick than ever before. We have, come on, we are in a war here. Pastor Zach got in a crazy wreck two weeks ago, almost died. I mean, just crazy stuff that's happening. And I just want you to be a, a mindful of, we're in a war here. And the enemy hates what's going on in our lives. And the enemy only attacks you when you're making progress, by the way. You never get tackled sitting on the bench. Come on, any football players in here? You don't get tackled on the bench. The only time you get tackled is when you're in the game moving the ball down the line, and they go, okay, take him out. And that's what's happening here. So I want to show you three things where the enemy attacks, okay? And we'll look at the Nehemiah as an example. So number one is discouragement. One of the greatest battles you're going to face in life, just in general, is discouragement. Nehemiah faced this in Nehemiah 4, starting now in verse 2. It says, saying in front of, so Sam Ballot was mad. He was, he was throwing 
these comments saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? So he's kind of flexing his muscles, trying to discourage these guys from doing what they felt God was calling them to do. It says, do they actually think that they can make something out of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite. Okay, so now, so Sam Ballad is like the, any of y'all remember um, the, the Christmas story with Ralphie? Y'all remember the bullies? Y'all remember those bullies? And they had like the master bully. He was like the big guy. And then, and then he had like all of his like little minion friends with him. And they're like, yeah, get him. I don't even know what his name was. But anyways, I picture Tobiah to be like the little minion. Sam Ballad is like the big bulky, like, hey, man, I'm going to do And Tobiah is like, hey, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. <laughs> y'all don't, oh, y'all don't read the Bible that way? All right, then. I mean, y'all got to make this, this thing comes to life, okay? And you're going to find out Tobiah, he's going to have another friend, Geshem, because he's going to get all his little posse friends to come against him. And so they're, they're ridiculing him. They're discouraging them. Now here's, listen to me. Discouragement can come in many forms. For some of you, you have people in your life right now that are speaking discouragement over you. You can't do that. Why are y'all doing this? You can't, and speaks this over you. Or, but listen to me, some of you have people that did speak things over you. They're not in your life anymore, but their voices still echo. You still hear them. It could be family. It could be a friend. They could not be in your life. They could be moved away. They could be deceased. But the things that they spoke over you is still resonating inside of your mind, and you can still hear them say, you can't do that. You'll never amount to anything. This will always be what you do. Come on, any of you have those voices? Discouragement, discouragement, discouragement. You can't do this. But if you don't have any opposition, there's a good chance that what you're doing doesn't matter. So the fact that you're having opposition shows that you're actually doing something that matters. And I'm going to tell you one of the greatest tests. You ready? One of the greatest tests of your maturity is how you handle opposition. How do you handle when people say things against you? All right? Now, I want to pastor you well in this because we don't do this well as a society. When people throw spears at us or they try to say things about us, we feel like the way to make sure that their words aren't sticking is to grab them and throw them back at them. So they say something against us and we think that Facebook would be a great outlet for us to let the world know that these people are doing this. This is not me. And we begin to say these things right back at them and they are fools but then we chime into the foolishness. Y'all with me here? And discouragement comes in our lives because people are saying things against us, much like Sam Ballot and Tobiah were, and the opposition came against them. Now here's the thing about discouragement, is that you always gotta block it, because it's always gonna be speaking. It's always speaking. And anybody that tells you that they don't walk through discouragement is lying. Every morning you probably wake up and there's some discouragement that wants to jump on you. You've got to speak to that. Now here's the deal. They did this and you would think, okay, the next verse says that Nehemiah prayed and you would think then the next verse would say they got back to work and everything was done, right? No. He did pray. They did get back to work, but the opposition got more fierce. 
Watch what it says in Nehemiah chapter 6. Write down this word, distraction. Distraction. God, I mean the enemy used discouragement and he realized that he couldn't discourage them so now he's going to use distraction. So Nehemiah chapter 6, two chapters later, says now when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem, here's, here's the posse, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, meaning that there was no hole in it. We, we built it right. It says, Sam Ballin and Geshem sent to me saying, so they sent a letter via a messenger, and here's what the letter said. Nehemiah opens up the letter, and it says, hey, come, let us meet together at Shifrim in the plain of, oh, no. You like that? Okay, now watch this. But they intended to do me harm. And so I sent messengers back. Oh, I got a message for you. And this is, now watch this. I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. This is what he's saying. I'm doing a great work, and I don't got time for your nonsense. I don't got time for you. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me, Four times in this way. Hey, man, can we meet Monday afternoon? You know, dinner. You know, it'd be good. Let's just meet together. Ah, uh, no, I can't do that. Hey, man, maybe a Tuesday morning coffee. You want some coffee? And we can just kind of meet together and just kind of talk about our differences. And, and it says this. And I answered them in the same manner. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Hey, can we do this? I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm going to tell you right now, if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And if he can't destroy you, he'll, destroy you, he'll distract you. The enemy knew right here. Here's why San, uh, Nehemiah knew that he couldn't come down from the wall. One really big reason, they would kill him. They would kill him. Now I'm going to tell you right now, every single person in here, God has a great work for you to do. If you're married in here, your marriage is a great work. Don't get distracted. If you have kids in here, it's a great work. Don't get distracted. Y'all with me here? We have a great work. People ask me all the time, man, what, what kind of hobbies do you do? Man, you like go hunting and stuff? I said, you know what my hobbies are? Josiah, Judah, and Joel. Those are my hobbies. Like I, I, I really honestly, I don't have a lot of time for other things. You know why? Because I have a great work in front of me. I only get one shot at this. I got to make sure I spend the time to do the things that I need to do in the right way. And all of us in here have great works. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you come down the wall and don't complete the great work God has for you, not only will you suffer from it, but other people will too. If Nehemiah had came down from the wall and went, they would have killed them and stopped the progress of what God was wanting to build. But they said, he said, no, 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 I got a great work I got to do. I got to keep building. I got to keep doing this great work. Some of you in here, you're, you're on the road to recovery, whether that's sexual addictions or alcohol addictions or drug addictions, and you're on a good road, and God is doing a great work, and now you got these people that come alongside and say, hey, man, you want to come to the, come to the bar with us? Just one night, man, just one drink, just one, just, hey, just come. And here's your response. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Are y'all with me? I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Hey, man, you want to come out with the boys? Man, I promised my wife I'd go out on a date with her, man. And she's a piece of work. I mean, a great work. And uh, 
That's what the wives say about the husbands. All right. She's a great work. Man, I can't, I can't, I can't come down. I can't. We all got a great work to do. You've got to decide what that great work is. If you get so busy and so focused on the opposition, you'll lose the great work. You'll lose the great work. God's got a great work, and he wants to use distraction as a way to get us off. Here's number three, and the last one is despair. If you can't use discouragement, if you can't use distraction, he'll go to despair. Nehemiah 4 verse 10 says this. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens, look at this, it's failing. People are getting tired. They've been working long hours, long days, and there's just way too much rubble. God, there's just way too much work. By ourselves, we're not going to be able to build, rebuild the wall. And that's a true statement. By themselves, they couldn't. Together, they could. Now look at the next verse. And it says this. And our enemies said, they will not know or see it till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. And at that time, the Jews who lived near them, so these aren't people in Jerusalem. These are now Jews that are outside of Jerusalem, are coming to Jerusalem to the Jews who are building, and this is what they're telling them. They came from all directions, and they said to us, how many times? Ten times. Come home. Come home. Come home. So all of the Jews that were building the walls, their families from other cities were coming to Jerusalem and saying, hey, listen, it's getting pretty intense up in here. I'm hearing about all these people that hate you guys. Just come home. 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 Ten times their own people were telling them, stop doing this. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. Man, don't you take care of your kids? Don't you take care? Stop doing this. And now what the enemy's trying to bring is despair. Despair. You know what despair is? Despair is to the point where you don't want to live anymore. You have no more encouragement, no more hope, no more life. Despair. And I'm going to tell you how despair happens. Despair happens not when you get one attack and then it goes away. Despair is when you feel like your life is just constantly being under attack, an attack, an attack, an attack. It's the people in here where the cancer hasn't gone. It has remained. It's the people in here that continually have the strife in the marriage, and it never seems like it's ever getting better. It's the person that has the kid that's wayward that just never will get it, and you keep going through the same thing over and over again. Come on, how many of you know we lose hope not by something happening once to us. We lose hope because it keeps happening to us. Anybody ever said in here, when will this stop? When will this stop? Despair sets in when your body just begins to give out and it never gets any more strength. Or you've come up here for prayer and it just never seems like God is answering the prayers that you keep asking for. That's despair. Sam Ballot and Geshem and Tobiah kept attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking. We lose our, constant, our confidence. We lose our heart. We lose our motivations. It's an opposition that stays against us. Nehemiah then responds by rallying his people. So his, his people are tired. And their family is calling and saying, you need to come home. Get off that wall. Come home. And so Nehemiah, this is what Nehemiah's response did. One of the best probably rallying cries if you've watched any movies, Braveheart, Gladiator, and they have these kind of rallying moments where they get up and say, all right, guys, this is Nehemiah's moment. 
says, then as Nehemiah looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people. I called all the people. I said, we got to have a meeting. And this is what he tells them. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Who is great and glorious. Come on, how many know we have a great and glorious God? He's great and glorious. He's great and glorious. He's great and glorious. And now watch this. So remember God and fight. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your homes. So God's calling us to do two things. If you go into the next verse and you continue to read in chapter 4, one of the things that Nehemiah does is he makes sure that everybody that's building the wall has a sword. Probably not as cool as this one, but a really cool sword. And so this is what he does. This is what Nehemiah says. I want you to listen to me. Nehemiah says, we're, there's two things that are going to happen. You're going to have to build, and you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to build, and you're going to have to fight. How many of you know that the building process seems to take a while, but how many know fighting seems like it's all the time? I'm constantly fighting for this marriage, and I don't feel like you're fighting for it. I'm constantly fighting for just peace in my heart. I'm constantly fighting, and God's calling us to build, and he's calling us to fight. This is what he does. If you go and you read, continue to read in this chapter, it's, it's incredible. What Nehemiah does is he goes and he finds the places that are the weakest in the walls, where the weakest moment is, where the weakest people are, And he puts soldiers behind them with swords. And he says, you keep building and we'll stay behind you and we'll protect you. Now I want you to see three things that God is telling us to do when it comes to fighting. You ready? Write these down. How is God calling us to fight? Based off of this challenge that Nehemiah sends, we're to do three things. One, depend on God. Depend on God. Before Nehemiah ever says a word to his critics, he talks with God. He does it in verse 4. He does it in verse 6. He does it again here. He says, what does he remind them of? Hey, guys, remember? Remember the Lord. He's great. He's glorious. Hey, guys, remember him. Hey, y'all, you, you all remember kind of a lot of the wars that you remember? The Spanish-American War? Remember the Alamo? World War I, World War II, all that? Remember Pearl Harbor? All of those, by the way, were remembrances of failures, Nehemiah is the opposite. He's reminding them of the victory that they have. Hey, I just want to remind you, God's in this. God called us in this, and he's going to give us the victory. And if God's on our side, you need to remember that he's greater than anything we're facing. He reminds them to depend on God, because here's what's going to end up happening. You will either focus on your opposition, on your circumstances, and on all your failures, or you will focus on God, but you get the choice. Y'all with me here? And based off of what you focus on is what lives out in your life. And so God, Nehemiah is calling them to depend on God. Pray, 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 pray. Number two, to defend your family. We fight and we build. He says, fight for your families. Fight for your wives. Fight for your husbands. You've got to fight. You know that God didn't design you, though, to fight alone. He's called you to fight with other people. That's why he put the other people around the people that were the weakest because he says, listen, as they're building, they're going to turn around and get encouragement because they're going to see you with some swords and they're going to keep building because you're going to fight for them. How many of you are glad that there's been some people that have stepped into your life that have fought for you when you didn't have enough strength to fight for yourself? Anybody in here? Anybody the a testimony to somebody that stepped in and says, hey, listen, I know you're weak. That's all right. I got your back. I got your back. 
Some, for some of you, somebody stepped in and fought for you. For some of you, you stepped in for somebody else and you fought for them. But we fight for family. That's why we call this a spiritual family because we're fighting for one another. I can't tell you how many times this year we've fought for marriages or we fought for loved ones or we fought, there's people that are in the hospital and we're on, Pastor Bubba and I have been at the hospital this week fighting for a lady who the doctor says, it's just within a day or so she will be gone and now she is doing better. She's, she's still got a journey ahead of her, but we have been fighting for the situation. Hey, listen. If I'm on my deathbed, you fight till I take my last breath. You hear me? You believe. You trust God. You pray heaven down. We're going to fight. I got to put this away. We got to fight. I know my wife's getting a little freaked out right there. So put that down on the ground. Because here's the truth. You're either in a battle now or you're about to be one. Just don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Because the enemy isolates and he lies. That's what he does. So we're going to fight for our family. We're going to fight for our spiritual family. You see somebody in here struggling? You're going to walk up to them and go, hey, man, how can I pray for you? You need something? What's going on? We're going to fight. Hey, listen, we're going to be a church that not fights with one another. We're going to fight for one another. Can I get an amen on this one, please? Last one is don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Obedience is difficult, but it's worth it. And I'm going to tell you, one thing that I've learned is that when you will fight to build what God wants you to build, he'll fight to build what you need in your own life. He'll fight for you. If you'll, no, hey, I, I thought about this this week. There's no miracle that happens in Nehemiah. Like they didn't go sit in a room and go, God, build the wall. And then they walked out the door and it was like, voila! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate that. Hey, notice. They had to build, they had to do some work, and they had to fight. And I think there's so many Christians that think, well, if I just pray, God will do all the work. And God, no, it don't work that way. We're a partnership. I do my part, I do my natural, and God does the super. He does the supernatural. But I got to do my natural. Moses, part the Red Sea, Moses. God, why don't you part the Red Sea? I can't part this thing. He said, listen, take that staff, lift it up. Okay, that looks a little stupid, but all right. Whoop. Y'all see how this happens? So God is calling you and I to do things in the natural. So how do you fight for your marriage? Man, you love them. You forgive them. You do what you, and then you just pray. Here's what. God, change their heart. And then God does the supernatural. He does what you can't do. Because by the way, you can't change your spouse. Yeah, I know I wouldn't get a lot of amens because you think you can. But you can't. How, how, how do you fight for the thing? You fight and you battle and you, and you believe and you build. But at the end of the day, I believe God begins to put supernatural things on all, all that we do. And I want you to see how this ends. This is so cool. Nehemiah chapter 6 this is how it all ends. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after they had begun. That's, that's crazy. That's so fast. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations, look, they heard about it. They heard what God, I've been hearing what God's doing over there at our Savior's church. I've been hearing a lot about that. They were frightened <laughs> and 
humiliated. Listen, you don't have to defend yourself if people attack you because God will do it for you. And at the end of the day, they're the ones that will be frightened and they're the ones that will be humiliated. Pastor Bubba, I remember when he said when, when we started our church here in Jennings back in 2000, 17 years ago, somebody walked up to him and says, we don't need another church in Jennings. We got enough of them. I'm so glad he didn't listen to that discouragement and lie because we're all here for that. Y'all with me? I'm so, I'm so thankful. Listen. I wonder where that guy is now. <laughs> they realized, now watch this, they realized this work had been done <laughs> with the help of God. I pray if there's anything that's ever said about our church, it'd be that just God is doing something through those people. I pray that no person can get the glory. That at the end of the day, they'll look at you and I and what God's doing through this church and go, I don't know what's doing, what's happening in your life, but it's gotta be God. Because you crazy. And, and your situation was crazy. And I don't know how your marriage is still together and I don't know how your kids are the way that they are now because I knew what they were like. And at the end of the day, we can say, you know what? It was all God. God, it was all God. 52 days they built that, those walls. It was all God. I pray that this building gets faster than we ever think and we be able to say, it was all God. I pray we reach more people this year than ever before and we can say, it's all God. Come on, how many of you in? How many of you want to build and fight? Y'all, we're, we're going to build, we're going to battle, we're going to do this together. Y'all in?